This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Zion Gilbert elevation, at least the fans, came across kind of out of nowhere. And I know that you've talked about Flott being a boundary guy, and he was kind of working his way back. But Zion Gilbert was basically on the field all game long, and that's an undrafted rookie. Has this been something brewing where they've really liked what they've seen in his, you know, growth on the practice squad where, you know, that just the time was right? Or was it just a lack of bodies that they felt comfortable in the slot? Gilbert, 66% of the snaps, 56 as I look at my notes. They liked Gilbert coming out of uh, Florida Atlantic. He was a five-year player there. Uh, it actually put up some pretty good numbers as a senior in terms of his pass defense. He's a big physical corner who they think has some potential, but he was very raw and very green. They were very happy to get him on the practice squad. He has practiced well all season. And I know that they've been intrigued by him. I do believe that because the Giants suspected that Washington was going to be a physical team and was going to be a run-heavy team. Now, remember what I told you last week. Washington specializes in running off the corners, off tackle and to the boundaries, which means you've got to get corner support in the run game if you're going to slow them down. I believe that's why Gilbert was activated and played a lot more because he's got a little more meat on his bones than the other corners who were available to the Giants in this game. Okay, then I'm all in on that. Now, Paul, let me just say this as we tackled some of the negatives. A very big positive, and I gave you a couple reasons to doubt the Giants going forward in the stretch. Receivers, injuries still to McKinney and Jackson, which we hope are going to be resolved soon here. How about the positive? Boy, oh boy. Suddenly. How tasty is Aziz Ojolari next to Kayvon Thibodeau if these guys can stay healthy at the same time? I mean, now you want to make a case why they didn't win the game? Well, you know another reason they didn't lose the game? Because they had those two guys getting after Heineke all game long. Obviously, Ojolari forces the fumble. Thibodeau damn near ended the game with a safety in overtime. And it wasn't just those two finishing, getting home on those two specific plays. I mean, they were good all game long. I mean, Jelly Ellis had a had a sack because Leonard Williams fumbled him in. Uh, Dexter Lawrence had a sack. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Leonard Williams getting hurt, but that front four attacking quarterbacks, Paul, when you talk about some of the Giants teams that were able to close games in December and January of yesteryear, it was about getting after quarterbacks late, and boy, it feels like they might have something cooking. Is Thibodeau, the light has gone on here in a big way, and Ojolari, I mean, the guy looks like a five-year-old pro. <laughs> 
at this point. Every time he's got on the field in between injuries this year, that is real tantalizing to watch those guys get after a quarterback. Five sacks and 10 quarterback hits. Is there a coach alive that wouldn't take that every week? Of course. Oh, and hard I mean, hits, seriously. too. Thibodeau's hit in overtime. That I was sitting on the 10-yard line right there. I felt it in my chest that had to hurt. Yeah. My goodness. I, I, I don't know how Heineke actually held on to that ball. Now, I, I don't say either. this. Maybe as Thibodeau becomes more of a veteran and learns some different moves and different techniques, he'll be a little bit more like OC, and he'll actually strip that ball instead of just crushing the guy. Yeah, uh, and by the way, which is what Ojolari is mastering. Twice Ojolari's done that now this year as well. Yeah. Well, and again, he's had more experience. Yeah. Ojolari's a second-year pro. He's been around a little bit more. Uh, and, this is what happens as guys grow into the position. I think what you have to remember is that, you know, Ojolari was only playing his third game of the season. He had missed yeah. time. Then he came back for a couple games. Then he missed more time. And him and Thibodeau, can really provide some intimidation. It's not even the times they get home. It's the times they have to be accounted for, Sean. Yeah. Where you're going to have offenses and offensive lines and quarterbacks and running backs and tight ends saying, okay, we're at the line. We're calling an audible because we have to account for that guy or we have to account for that guy. Or I think this guy might be coming this way. When you prove that you can get home like these two guys are showing now. What you prove is that the other team must take that into account and account for you. It puts it in their minds. That in itself, I tell people all the time, Lawrence Taylor did not get a sack on every play. He did not. But his presence instilled intimidation on every play. And that is as much valuable at times as the actual play itself because you can force a team into either panic, confusion, or a mistake. Or just something that you have to spend serious time on all week game planning that might, you know, take away away a look at something else. It's just, you know, making people focus. Now, before we close, one more note on Thibodeau, because it was something you had mentioned, I believe, on this podcast earlier in the year. And I've now heard Carl Banks, whether it's on the game broadcast or with Teague and Tierney on WFA, mentioned this a couple times, too. Early in the year, the thought was Thibodeau may not be the same all year because of the brace he was playing with. It kind of looks like he's gotten rid of the brace. Am I doing that? Is that like... The so race has been gone for about a month, and he's picking up. Right. That's what I was going to say. You know, you don't notice that on his knee as much. So one plus one equals two here. It feels like he has his burst back by not playing with that brace, correct? Yeah, he really does. And, and I think over the last three games, you've probably really seen it. And, and by the way, I know that Heineke said that there was a miscommunication on his sack. But think about this, right? Leno, the, the left guard, left tackle on the play, totally caves in and blocks to the right. I mean, think about this for a minute. What offensive coordinator is actually going to leave Kayvon Thibodeau unblocked on the edge against right. his quarterback at their own 10-yard line? Could I, You know, I get it. Heineke's probably just trying to cover for his guy. But if that was the play that was called, that they were all going to block right, and leave Thibodeau uncovered, then Heineke better have made sure he had his insurance plan paid up. Yep. 
<laughs> just no doubt about it. Well, Paul, I mean, we've really gotten into it all. I feel better. A little bit of a therapy session, but me and you feel like we're in lockstep on this. Uh, and I will close with this thought. I know you're going to agree with it, too. We talked about what the tie does and what it means. This is obviously going to be an interesting game with the Eagles. The Eagles are only a six-and-a-half-point favorite, which tells you that, you know, the numbers are begging you to take the Eagles, which maybe gives you the Giants a little hope. They see something that others are missing, maybe a little downside for the Eagles, maybe the pass rush getting to the Jalen Hurts. However, the tie also made this Eagle game slightly less important because the big one still remains beating the Commanders in two weeks. A, a loss this week while Washington's on the bye, all it means is they're all evened up in the standings and have a big one the following Sunday night. They're actually... I hate to say that because I don't want to, you want to win every game. It does take a little pressure off having to climb the mountain that is the Eagles this week in a way because that you know at worst you will enter that commander game with the same exact record. Well, in reference to Washington, yes, but I, I need to reinforce this to you, Sean. This is not about Giants or Washington getting into the playoffs. This is about the Giants, Washington, Seattle, and San Francisco. Yeah. Four teams, in reality, battling for three playoff spots. You're right. The winner of the West and the second-place finisher in that division battling it out with the Giants in Washington. So right. you're right. In terms of Washington, the Giants losing to Philadelphia doesn't greatly impact that particular scenario, but it does impact the scenario True. as you look at the Giants compared to those two teams in the West. Well, yeah, and, that, and yeah, I guess the flip side is if they beat the Eagles, Stun the World beat, not only would it be great for momentum and feeling good about themselves, it would be great, obviously, for the playoff chances as you look at Brock Purdy and the Niners and whatever's going on with Seattle and losing. But either way, again, I say 7-4-1, and one, the tie looks ugly. I mean, geez, all my Christmas presents are almost wrapped, and the Giants still only have four losses. So that's a good thing. That is a very, very good thing here uh, and something we all would have signed up for preseason. It's good to be... Paul, we're not talking draft picks right now. It's good to be dissecting these games that matter. And, and the fact that we have angst and we're either showing anger or emotion, that's why we watch, right? We want to have that anger and emotion. Now, you want it to be all celebration, but that ain't football. The games mean something. It's good that our blood pressure is up here in December. You know, I, I, it's interesting you mentioned that, Sean, because this is the first time, obviously, since 16, that uh, you know, on on the uh, the other giant flagship show that I that I do taking call-ins, there has not been one phone call about the draft, not one. Yeah. And yeah. usually by this point, everybody's not only talking about the positions that the Giants need, but where's their spot going to be? Where's the Giants' slot going to be? Yeah. I usually are taking calls at this time by people telling me the Giants should tank, so they should get a higher draft pick. Yeah. Not this year. I got so tired of hearing those phone calls. I wish I could take every one of those cell phones and throw them in the Hudson River. I love it, Paul. And also, guess what it'll do? It'll make us all enjoy the draft way more because we won't be sick of talking about it come March or April as well because we didn't get a start on it in November and December. All right, where can we get you on Twitter all week, Paul, with the Giants coverage from the uh, from the facility? At Giants WFAN. And you can follow me at CBS. Thanks, everyone, for taking one giant tie step with us.